What is going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you here on Sunday afternoon after the Los Angeles Clippers beat the San Antonio Spurs in the second game and then lose in sad fashion to the Pelicans, but rebound to beat the Dallas Mavericks. So here we are to recap the last three games. Brandon Marcus at BD Marcus joined by my co-host Matt Matawarren at Matt Matawarren on Twitter. Matt, how are you, my friend? Sports Ethos, Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus. How the heck are you? It is a lovely Sunday afternoon here in Los Angeles. I'm doing well. Um, I enjoyed all three games that you mentioned, two of them more than one, but still enjoyed watching. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's it's more of the James Harden starting lineup without Russell Westbrook experiment, and so far it seems to be going well. So we'll start off the podcast with this one because you and I – Last we spoke was after the first win against the Spurs, where they dismantled San Antonio, 124-99. to And at that time, we said, listen, the next time we talk, the Clippers could be over 500. Now, they're not right now, since they lost that game to the Pelicans. They're sitting at 7-8 and eight instead of 8-7. and seven. But I'll ask you this question. Are you encouraged, discouraged, or somewhere in between with the Clippers right now as of this moment? I'm encouraged. Um, the two wins... You know, against San Antonio, like we said, it's it's not exactly the stiffest of competition, although they did push the Clippers to the test uh, on Wednesday. But that game against the Mavericks and even the comeback against the Pelicans, there there was stuff to look at in all three games that you have to be encouraged by. I mean, we'll get into the nitty-gritty of it all, but it seems as in as everybody's kind of settling into the James Harden experiment, uh, T-Man kind of upping his role in the starting lineup, as far as offensively is concerned, we saw some flashes from PJ Tucker. Finally, Westbrook is uh, he's doing he's doing well off the bench. So I'm encouraged by what I saw. And of course, the stars are the stars, especially PG 13. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because you and I in the last couple of podcasts, we haven't really mentioned Paul George. We've been talking mostly about James Harden. We've talked a little bit about Kawhi and PG, um, but mostly talking about Westbrook and Zoo and man. But we haven't really talked about PG and. He's been awesome, man, and something that has not really been discussed a ton outside of Clipper circles is how good Paul George has been this season, and, I mean, he really deserves his flowers. First of all, the fact that he and Kawhi have played in both back-to-backs is an outstanding sign, but you look at what Paul George has done, and if you take away the game or two where he was just trying to fill a role that, frankly, he shouldn't have been filling, where he was trying to be that glue guy and he was awful— I mean, you t- even included in that, he's still averaging 25 points per game this season, and he's still shooting 47%, nearly 40% from three, and over 90% from the free throw line, and add in six rebounds and nearly three and a half assists, or just over three and a half assists per game. He's been amazing, man. And you got to give credit to Paul George, because right now he's at his most, he's at his highest po- point total since his last OKC season in 2018, 2019. And it's just, I mean, it's always been like this. It's always been about can they stay healthy? Because PG and Kawhi obviously are outstanding. Kawhi's had a couple of clunkers the last two, especially last night. But despite what happens with Harden and how poorly he has shot at times, same thing with Kawhi, seems like Paul George has just been Mr. Consistent outside of those one or two games. And he's been really impressive. And so I want to give him his flowers. And I'm glad you mentioned the, uh, he deserves all the flowers. I'm glad you mentioned the efficiency as well, because Sort of sometimes the bugaboo with Paul George, and especially I guess before Harden got there, was when was when Paul George would be a de facto point guard and he would drive into the lane, kick it out of bounds. We we're all familiar 
with those Paul George plays. But in the last three games that we were mentioning here, two turnovers, two t- turnovers, one turnover for Paul George. So the efficiency has been there, taking care of the ball, really thriving in this role. Um, once he stepped out of the, you know, I need to be a, a glue guy. Luckily, he kicked that to the curb. So he has been awesome. He looks 100, 1,000% healthy. And even though Kawhi did have a clunker in the last one, um, he, he's had some good games in the, against the Pelicans and then again against the Spurs on Wednesday. And I think part of those turnovers and lack thereof is that he doesn't have the ball in his hands as much with James Harden um, facilitating mm-hmm. the offense. So that certainly helps. And that's something that people haven't really talked about. I'm really glad you brought that up, Matt, because I haven't seen that at all mentioned in terms of his tone turnovers. And you and I were talking about that all the time last year, how just sloppy, careless turnovers. And I mean, I remember uh, Justin Wilson used to always say, all right, so where's that one or two bad Paul George passes? One of those going to come. And it hasn't really been there as much. And he's at his lowest t- turnover total since the 1920 season. Before that, he was at 3.1 last year, 4.1 the year before. And what's important about that is that one or two less turnovers per game, one or two more offensive possessions that you get. And every offensive possession is so critical that Paul George not turning over the basketball is huge. And he's gotten some um, of those ball hold handling duties, obviously, in the second unit. But with Harden on the floor, that's definitely something that has helped a lot. And I'm really glad you mentioned that. Good point. Thanks. Yeah, I, I do think that he has really benefited from from James Harden having the ball in his hands a lot more and him not having to Paul George not having to initiate, you know, to drive in. And as Justin Wilson said, where are those where are those passes going to come from? Or like I said, when he kicks it out of bounds or dribbles it off somebody else. So it is excellent to see. And the turnovers combined with just the efficiency. Uh, he's still getting a bunch of rebounds. He's always been great at that. Um, defensive prowess, the steals are there. So loving, loving, loving what we've seen from from Paul George. Of course, I said that he didn't get any steals in the last two games. But believe me, he's on my fantasy team. He gets steals. I know it. Yeah, he's averaging close to two steals a game. And he's at his second highest total since back in his final OKC season. And what's interesting is we talked about the turnovers and his assist total are way down from the last three years. I mean, he was at 3.6 right now. He was at 5.1 the year before, or last year rather, and the year before that was at 5.7. And part of that is not having the ball as much in his hands. So certainly something to keep an eye on as all the games continue to um, fall for the Clippers is the turnover total for PG and how much he has the ball in his hands versus getting it passed to him by James Harden and not needing to create as much. So certainly something to watch out for. Now, you and I talked about, um, obviously, that win against San Antonio, and you mentioned in the open about how the Clippers won that game, and it wasn't as pretty a seven-point win, but I got to tell you, man, winning against a team two games in a row is not easy. I know that Dan Bespris, who's just done a phenomenal job over uh, at Sports Ethos and with the gambling stuff, too, and obviously a tremendous gambling department that we have over at Sports Ethos, Um, he always mentions how there's the revenge factor in the second game. So if a team loses uh, the first game, the second game, he'll usually take that same team with the point total. And once you know it, San Antonio was an eight and a half point underdog. And in that game, they lost by seven. So they did indeed cover. And that's why. Usually you see a team um, cover the second time around more than 50%, I would assume. I'm making that up, but it just seems that way. Um, Obviously, the biggest moment from that game was when Pop grabbed the mic during the free throws and told uh, the fans that that's not who we are, and they just went on to boo Kawhi even louder. Um, A weird moment, um, one that I think 
certainly is strange. And um, I, I don't know. What do you make of that? Do you, do you think that Pop was out of line? Um, do you think he was right to do that? Uh, it's, it's a very strange situation. It was incredibly bizarre. I mean, I was I was watching at the time and I was taken aback by, you know, him hopping on the mic. Stop with the booze. This is not who we are. I I think he went into it with the uh, with the best of intentions, but it might have just been the, the most brilliant coaching move of all time because it kind of fired everybody up. The Spur, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's when the Spurs just they, they got a they got a zip energy and the crowd then kind of doubled their action, their their activities. So was he out of line? No, I don't I don't I don't think so. He's probably earned the right to to do that. But it if if the intended effect was to quiet the crowd, the crowd, it certainly had the opposite. And I believe the Spurs got a spark there, too. So it may have just been the best uh, brilliant coaching move uh, hidden under uh, the guise of, uh, come on, I'm trying to be a good guy here. Yeah, I don't know if that's something you do. <clears throat> it just feels like that's not a thing that you should be done during a game. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's weird because you normally see people grab the mic like before the game like hey everybody just want to wish you a merry christmas from the entire team but to see somebody grab a, uh, a mic during the game strange i don't think he was really out of line but also at the same time i don't think it's something that he really should have done um just a weird moment so i just wanted to uh, touch on that quickly but in that game i mean Kawhi and pg combined for 50 points uh pg shot 8 of 23 in that game so he wasn't efficient but Kawhi was 10 of 17 and that's something that continues to happen this season is that even if one of the stars isn't shooting well the other has been we haven't really seen many games this year where both guys have not shot well and then of course you had james harden as well who had nine assists in that game um so it was a good win and i don't think there's a ton to really hit on from that one because it's the second time you're playing a team it's always going to be harder um Obviously, I mentioned uh, Wemby Yamba and how the Clippers had done well against him. He was eight of twenty-two going into that game. Wemby was seven of thirteen, um, but that was after a so very slow start. He really started to cook in the second half and finished with twenty-two points and fifteen rebounds. But overall, a win that you'll certainly take because every win is a good win. A very good win. One more thing, I just want to mention about Harden. He did have the nine assists, but a number that really stands out to me is twelve. Free throw attempts. Mm. You'd love to see that because he only hit eight of them, eight of the 12, which is a little unusual. Yeah. But Harden getting to the line is going to be a huge, huge piece for the Clippers down the stretch and especially come playoff time when things slow down to get Harden to the line. So you just like to see 12 attempts. Um, it'd be nice if he made a few more of them, but I just think that is worth noting. Yeah. His free throw has, a, I mean, his free throw percentage has been very strange the last couple of games. Very unlike James Harden, a guy who shoots. I mean, close to 90% on the season um, usually, but he's been really, really bad um, the last couple of games. I'm not entirely sure why, but obviously you mentioned that 8 of 12. The next game he was 3 of 6 and 2 of 2 last night, so that was good to see him make both, but not like him at all to go 8 of 12 and then 3 of 6. And a game against the Pelicans, he went 3 of 6. Um, and that didn't help, obviously, in a game that you lose by 10. And the Clippers, I mean, Zoo has been pretty poor from the free throw line as well. I think this is one of his lowest free throw percentages. Um, as a team in that game, they were 11 of 17. And when you go 11 of 17 from the line, 11 of 37 from three, only 29.7%, you're, you're going to be in trouble. And uh, the Pelicans took advantage and won that game by 10. Let's quickly hit on that game. Um, and then we can move to last night. Um, the Pelicans won that, uh, that game by 10. Zion was awesome 
But the one thing that I want to touch on is P.J. Tucker and the job that he did on Zion at times. And Zion struggled against him um, at different portions of that game. Perhaps something that we'll see later on. Zion was a minus one, by the way, in a game that they won by 10. And um, I think the two biggest things in that game were Herb Jones getting in foul trouble early on. And that allowed the Clippers to really make it a close game and they outscored them by 12 in the second quarter. And part of that was Herb Jones picked three, picked up three early fouls and then picked up a fourth in the third quarter. And then he was foul free uh, later on and they outscored him by eight. So Herb Jones picking up those four fouls or about three early fouls was huge. And then also Tucker's uh, work on Zion. Curious what you make of Tucker and perhaps if that's something that we should be perhaps optimistic about going forward. I think we should be optimistic. It's kind of what I said in the last pod where I was a little dubious, uh, to say the least, of P.J. Tucker's performances so far. But I did say that maybe we keep him around and he keep him in the rotation because there are going to be those nights, those matchups where he does get inserted for, you know, a little over 20, 22 minutes. And he can take on the uh, the big guy or, you know, the the other other team's best big. And he proved that he can he can still do it. You know, every once in a while, it's not going to be an every night thing. I don't think anybody's clamoring for PJ to be a starter or to get in the mid twenties and minutes. But I'm very encouraged. You know, I mean, of course Zion did have a great line, but like you said, he was a minus one. PJ Tucker was actually a plus seven, even though he didn't even score in the game. So it goes to show you when he was on the floor, the Clippers were doing good things. I thought uh, it was a very encouraging from PJ. It's not going to be an every night occurrence, but when needed against the Zions, like, and like you mentioned in the last podcast, maybe the Giannis's or even the Jokers of the world. It's nice to have that in your, in your pocket to kind of pull out. And in that game, PJ Tucker was a plus seven. So perhaps, I mean, listen, we've, we've been um, very hard on PJ Tucker so far, but I thought he did a decent job against Zion. And it's worth noting the type of player that Zion is maybe a little bit easier for a guy like PJ Tucker, as opposed to a guy like Kevin Durant, um, I mean, PJ Tucker probably would prefer that type of bruiser guy that isn't a huge dude as opposed to Kevin Durant, who's seven feet tall, um, and Giannis, who's obviously bigger as well. So we'll see more and more as the season goes on what type of player he guards and what type of lineups make sense. But again, we saw glimpses, which was good, and he was a plus seven in that game. And like I said, I mean, the Herb Jones part was huge. He was great defensively. He's been pretty good offensively as well. So something to keep an eye on. And then Brandon Ingram just has been unbelievable against the Clippers. So in a game where Brandon Ingram goes nuclear, Zion gets 32. Herb Jones was fantastic in his minutes. Not a lot you could do. And frankly, right now, the Pelicans seem to own the Clippers. Um, And it's a little reminiscent of when you see these younger teams that in the last couple of years have just done really well against the Clippers and destroyed them kind of feels a little bit like that, Matt, but we'll see if the Clippers are able to turn the page at some point when they face them again. But nonetheless, a game you would like to win, but you got to know the team that you're facing is a team that I don't think you really match up with great, but we'll see going forward. Uh, I I agree. Two more things on this game. And one, I'm going to circle back to something you just said, but the first thing I want to say is just, Maybe the, maybe the line doesn't exactly uh, tell the whole story, but good Lord, Valanciunas just eats up the Clippers when he plays them. <laughs> he just he seems like he's on another level. Uh, I don't know why that is. Uh, you know, he's 12 and 8 with four assists, but 
you know, he's two or two from downtown. He just he just loves to feast on the Clippers for some strange reason. I don't know what it is. Yeah, he started off really but, well. And, and not only that, he he feasts from deep against the Clippers, which is so weird. Yeah, that's it. He just doesn't do it. That's very it. He loves much. downtown. Yeah, he doesn't do it much against the other teams. Um, p- very positive. One more note from that game. Um, Norm Powell, another 20 minutes off the or rather 20 points off the bench. And surprising to see him play um, in the game yesterday. After I believe he heard he heard his groin in that game against the Pelicans, and to come back and play this game was was huge. Um, so listen, it's was he did he get hurt against the Spurs or he got hurt against the Pelicans? I thought he I thought he got hurt against the Spurs, but I could be remembering that. Yeah, it might, might have been against might have been against the Spurs. Listen, games are piling up. We haven't spoken in a little while, but yeah, either way, I'm surprised he played the right game after, but he seems to be fine. So uh, that's good to see. That's uh, great news. Be- uh, sorry, Brandon, just to, before we go into the Dallas, I actually want to transition into the Dallas game with something that you said and and something that Jim Jackson actually said uh, on the Dallas or the game against Dallas on the broadcast. He said, you know, these Mavericks, they're not the young, long Pelicans that the Clippers faced the night before. And that's something that you alluded to with the youth and the length really giving the Clippers fits, something to keep an eye on because Clippers do have trouble with with teams and players like that. Um, let's transition to that game against the Dallas Mavericks last night. And here's the thing that Dallas team's not very good, which is so weird because the Mavericks have crushed the Clippers several times in the last couple of years. But that game yesterday, man, I mean, Dallas just not good offensively. They're not good defensively. You talk about a two man team. I mean, there have been games where Tim Hardaway Jr. has stepped up against the Clippers. I feel like. But outside of Kyrie and Luka, that team is not good um, at all. I mean, they were missing Derek Lively, which certainly doesn't help. And they, they've been dealing with injuries, but that was not pretty, dude. Um, but here's the thing. These games are going to happen, and you can't play down to the level of your opponent. And the Clippers didn't. The Clippers got off to a good start. They've certainly had times this season where they've gotten off to slow starts. But to go off to a good start to outscore Dallas in the first and third quarters, um, and then outscored him in the fourth as well, Besides, the, and then almost got all four. They uh, tied him in the second quarter. It's a great sign. And here's the bigger sign. That's, I mean, the bigger sign or better sign, whatever you want to call it. Kyrie, I mean, Kawhi was terrible. Um, two of 12 from the field, 0 for 5 from 3. James Harden wasn't much better. He was 2 of 8. Um, but he did get seven assists, which is good. But again, here's the thing. If you're going to have guys that are going to struggle night to night, that's why you have these other dudes. That's why you have Paul George. That's why you have Zoo as a presence in the paint. That's why you have Terrence Mann as that fifth guy in that starting lineup. And that's why you have Norm Powell and Russell Westbrook. Because when other guys aren't having their shot go, you need other guys to step up. And that's been the case with the Clippers where they have so many different dudes that can. So I think that's the biggest takeaway for me for last night is that when a guy like Kawhi doesn't do well, in the past, the Clippers would have gotten crushed. But here, the Clippers still win by nearly 20 points because you have PG, because you have Powell, and you have Westbrook, and you have T-Man. You have guys that are willing to contribute and can. And so that's my biggest takeaway from last night. What about you? I, I totally agree. I mean, Kawhi, you're right, was awful. He couldn't buy a bucket. It was amazing to see T-Man you know, finally get going offensively. 
and I think it's 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 it sort of shrinks down that rotation, or at least you get an idea of okay, so these are the guys that were probably you know short of a move before the trade deadline. But as of right now, these are the guys we're gonna get we're gonna learn to trust, right? The starting five who are all a very very big plus, and then you know PJ Tucker not in this game, but in the in the New Orleans game that we spoke of before. Daniel Tice is going to have his moments, not in this game, but in games before. And then Westbrook coming off the bench, 14, 7, and 8, uh, 7 assists, 8 rebounds. He had some vintage, vintage Westbrook rebounds, too, where his like his chest was at the rim. He was so high getting those rebounds. And then Norm has been invaluable off the bench. I mean, you know, his his spark of offense, like you, you can't discount it. Uh, so I loved, I did love what I saw. Uh, even with you know Harden and Kawhi not having the best game, and we'll talk about Zoo. Just really encouraging to see him finally break out and have sort of a classic Zoo game. You know he he probably should have had like, he had 11 and 14. It could have been 14 and 14 had he not gone one of five from the line, which was pretty bad. <laughs> but uh, I was encouraged by how everybody was able to rally around Kawhi. And Harden not having the best of games in the world. Uh, Westbrook killed it off the bench. Norm as well. So seeing that seeing that rotation sort of come into play. And of course, everybody got minutes because it was a bit of a blowout towards the end. But you see the guys who Ty Lue is going to trust in that rotation taking shape, which which is what we hoped what would, would happen from the beginning, but especially once the starting lineup was sort of uh, switched over and Westbrook went to that bench role. I'm really glad you brought up Zoo because he was the next guy I wanted to mention. And I want to bring up this incredible stat from Lucas Hahn, who does a great job with 213 Hoops. The Clippers last night had a defensive rating of 79.5 in Zoo's 23 minutes. And Justin Russo added on that with Luca, with Luca and Zoo on the floor at the same time, Luca was 5 for 15 when Zoo was on the floor. He was 7 for 12 when Zoo was off the floor. So, um, Zoo obviously contributes big time in terms of what he's able to do inside the paint and his defense. And the reason why I'm glad you brought up Zoo, apart from obviously the the incredible numbers from last night, is that Zoo wasn't very good when the Clippers got Harden initially. He looked um, out of sorts. Everyone was criticizing his hands. And people were saying that maybe he shouldn't be the starting center and that the Clippers maybe should trade for a starting center. There was a lot of anti-Zoo talk when the Clippers made that Harden trade. That has quieted over the last couple of ball games, And so that's very positive that we are seeing Zoo just go back to what he's capable of doing. And you look at last night, obviously, the double-double. Um, he didn't have any blocks, but he contributed. And he was a plus 18 in his 23 minutes. And so for Zoo to do well, the Clippers, I mean, the Clippers would certainly take that and more when he has a good game it just raises the clippers uh ceiling even higher is basically what i'm trying to say there and you look at that game against new orleans he wasn't great at minus 18 and only had only had five rebounds in his 22 minutes and the clippers were playing more of a small lineup uh when you have pj tucker play 22 you had daniel tice play 21 so it's hard to gauge Zoo in a game like that where he's only playing 22 minutes. And I say that, of course, as Zoo only played 23 last night against Dallas. But different type of game. And the Pelicans had JV, whereas the Mavs didn't really have. I mean, they have Rashawn Holmes, who's really gone from Sacramento hero to just absolute bust. But the main point is that 
zoo hasn't really been talked about as much recently, and that's a good sign. So hopefully that's a sign of Harden getting comfortable with zoo and him seemed maybe to fit a little bit better than he did initially when you had Westbrook and Harden and Zoo all on the floor together, which really was unfortunate because the amount of space with Harden um, and Zoo and and you look at Team Man and it, it just it wasn't good uh, with Westbrook. So I'm glad that now things have quieted on that end. Yeah, and it's 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 funny you mention Rashawn Holmes because for a long time, and this is on the record, I, he was my dream center or backup center to come to the clips. I, I loved Rashawn Holmes. I was head of the fan club, but he's unfortunately seems like he's just fallen off a cliff. Uh, but for zoo to, um, to struggle at first when Harden got there, I guess is to be expected. I know, I think I heard that they've worked together just one-on-one, maybe after practice, just, just, just to get the chemistry going. And then you talk about bringing in a guy like Daniel Tice. He only played 16 minutes in the win against Dallas, but it's just a great pickup for the Clips, honestly, because if Sue doesn't have it going, if they want to play a small ball against the, Pel- the Pelicans or smaller ball, and of course they did lose that game, but it's nice to have a guy like Tice who does have energy, has a little bit of juice, and who can get in there. And although he's a little undersized, he he plays bigger than his 6'8 frame. So happy with the center rotation right now. We'll see what happens when Plumlee gets healthy, but that's a little bit down the line. And, and you mentioned also how it's hard to beat a team two times in a row against the Spurs. I just think it's nice that the Clippers, I mean, they, the Mavericks put 144 on them in that first game and only 88 in this one. So quite the difference um, in the amount of points allowed. Yeah. It's Zoo's going to be important what the Clippers do defensively. Um, the offense, I mean, he'll get his lobs and he's not really going to be a focal point of what they do. And deservedly so. And the same thing is the case with Terrence Mann. I mean, when Terrence Mann gets his shot, he's got to take it when he's open. And he's got to be aggressive and show his energy. And he did that last night. But it's mostly going to be Harden, Kawhi, and PG when those three are on the floor together. And those other two guys just have to be the glue that makes the offensive lineup stick together. And I I think they're getting closer and closer to making that work. Um, So it's... I'm optimistic about where the Clippers are right now. And I think Harden's going to get more and more comfortable with PG and Kawhi. Kawhi's not going to shoot like this forever. Um, T-Man, I love what I'm seeing from him. And like we just discussed, I think Zoo is slowly getting more and more comfortable. So there's certainly some optimism right now, Matt. And uh, it's good. I'm curious what you thought of Russell Westbrook last night because there's a lot of positive words being said about him um, after that game. And, he played well, 14 points, 6 of 9 from the field, 8 rebounds, 7 assists. He's a guy that just didn't look for his shot as much as usual, and that's always a good thing when you see 7 assists on his resume. Um, curious what you saw from him yesterday that the Clippers perhaps can carry forward. I mentioned it before. He was It was a vintage Westbrook, right? 8 rebounds, um, 4 of those were offensive. He was just – he's a monster on the glass from the guard position and just from any position really – and he really just gives the Clippers a boost when they need it. It's it's an injection of energy. It's an injection of of can do, and it's an injection of will because he'll he willed himself to to those fourteen points. He willed himself to those four rebounds, like I said, or eight rebounds, four offensive, four defensive, those seven assists. Uh, he only had two turnovers to go along with that. Uh, he seems to be. Now, just now coming to terms with this 
bench role. Um, I know there was some talk, well, you know, maybe he's going there begrudgingly, and maybe he did, but if he embraces it and he plays at the Westbrook level we saw last night, which in 25 minutes, 14-7-8 and eight is pretty phenomenal, I, I think Clippers fans have to be incredibly encouraged. And we talked about before Paul George not needing to have the ball in his hands all the time. Well, even if Paul George is playing with a second unit, now he has a Westbrook in that second unit to have the ball in his hands and set up Paul George, who we know the two of them have great chemistry. So Harden will have the ball in the starting lineup if Paul George stays and Westbrook comes in. Again, Westbrook can handle the point duties and hand dish the ball out to Paul George or whoever the case may be. So having both Harden and Westbrook, as long as they, for the most part, don't play together, it's going to benefit the other guys greatly. That was a big game for Russ because he's had a couple of these games where he hasn't spoken to the media afterwards. He's been playing... Uh, between like 15 to 20 minutes at times and it's been pouty patty um i mean he scored he only played 14 minutes in that game against the pelicans and i think that was his lowest total in a while with the clippers um and it's not great when you have a guy who you need to look towards the boost um from or look for your energy boost from the bench and he's just not really in it and he was a minus eight in that game against the pelicans he was one of eight from the field. He was dreadful um, in 14 minutes. So it was a really important game for Russ. And just to get those positive vibes back and for him to go 14, 8, and 7, nearly get a triple-double in only 25 minutes is something the Clippers needed and just something that they can build towards going forward because we've talked about it. The Clippers don't have the largest rotation. And it's basically going to be four guys off the bench with Tucker, Tice, Westbrook, and Powell. And you need all those guys clicking when they are with those starters and when however many starters it might be that they're playing with. So it was good to see him get that game. And I know we, you and I had discussed um, the possibility of a trade and I don't know. I mean, is it something you do? And I talked about with Justin Wilson as well, but right now I think you just need to kind of see where this goes and I'm glad he had a game like that. So that was certainly important. And again, Norm Powell, again, 15 points, four of four from the field, three of three from three, four of four from the line. I mean, he's been so damn good, dude. Um, it's very reminiscent in a in different way, obviously, of a guy like Lou Williams that could come off the bench and just get you those points when you needed it and be that sixth man. And it certainly seems like Norm Powell is really embracing the role that he's got right now when he's playing with some of these starters and playing with James Harden and playing with uh, Russ off the bench. And it seems to be a good fit with your uh, with your boy, Norm. Norm! And if he can continue to shoot the way he did in the last two games, you mentioned an 8 of 14 against the Pelicans and a perfect 4 of 4 against the Mavericks, then it takes a bit of pressure off of Westbrook, who is not the best outside shooter in the world. It's going to keep the defenses honest. So those two together, while you may be you may be a little skittish to think about it on the defensive end of the floor, when they come in to bolster the second unit and get some offensive juice, juice going, so far... I mean, especially last night with, like you said, with Westbrook kind of bringing it back to vintage Westbrook, uh, it could be a pretty great combination. That's not to say the Clippers won't consider trades down the line, but that's down the line. Right now, this is what we're working with, and I agree with you 100%. It was great to see Westbrook do what he did last night. It's just a fantastic line in 25 minutes, like I said. You can't ask for much more. Yeah, and uh, Tice was a plus 11, by the way, in that game against the Pelicans. Um, and the, I believe it was the first half and he finished as a plus five. So th- there are certain things as well from Daniel Tice, 
um, that you got to like. And Tucker finished as a plus seven in that first half. He was a plus 13, and he was really good against Zion, and that's why he got the start in the second half. So just a couple of things I had written down that I forgot to mention. Um, and we were talking about Zoo earlier as well, and in that game that he only played 22 minutes and he was a minus 18. Um, he picked up three fouls in eight minutes in that first half and only had two points. And so then he had nine points the rest of the way. Um, he only played 14 minutes the rest of the way. So some things in that game that were just odd um, in terms of Zoo getting in foul trouble. Harden was 0 for 5, and he missed all of his shots, and they were all threes. Uh, just a weird game, but certainly some things that you liked that you saw in certain spurts. Uh, but, yeah, back to the Mavericks game. A win's a win, man. And uh, to get a win against Dallas, who has been shorthanded and hasn't looked very good um, at times. I mean, listen, it's the same Mavericks team that two weeks ago beat the Clippers by 18, and the Clippers gave up 144 points. I mean, like like you said with the defense, um, the defensive improvement to go from 144 giving up to 88 is astronomical. So certainly good going forward, and uh, we'll see what that means for the next few. But... Uh, man, I, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous because, um, and now we'll kind of look forward to what's coming up for the Clippers. The Nuggets is a team that the Clippers have really struggled against. And when they're at Denver, it was a close game. They, they only lost by three. Um, but historically, the Denver seemed to have the Clippers number. What are you looking forward to most in that game tomorrow night against the Nuggets? I think def- defense, defensive rotations. I want to see first of all how Zoo does against the Joker. I mean, mm-hmm. there's not much you can do, but there's gonna, you know, they're the Joker's gonna pull Zoo out to at least the elbow, and if not further, to try to dish to his to his friends there on the Nuggets. So I'm just curious. I got to watch defensively, defensive rotations. If PJ Tucker plays a larger role, who switches? Uh, what kind of switches are are happening? What's gonna happen with uh, Harden? Uh, on defense, do they do they hunt him uh, in, with that starting unit out there? Uh, Kawhi, does he you know with Aaron Gordon running around, does he chase him around? I, it, I, I'm really really curious about defensive rotations uh, and who gets more minutes, what the Clippers can do defensively against these Nuggets because I think at home uh, tomorrow night against against the Nuggets, the Clippers should be clicking offensively. You know, Paul George has it going. I predict Kawhi will get it back and just have a classic Kawhi efficient game. Um, but I really want to see what happens defensively because, like you said, the Nuggets have just completely owned the Clippers in the past, and they just carve them up. I mean, it'll be like the end of the first quarter, and the Nuggets will be up 40 to 19 or something, you know, r- routinely. So we got to see if we can slow them down what will happen defensively. That's what I'm locked in on and watching. How about you? I'm looking at PJ Tucker's minutes and how the Clippers do in those minutes, because he was not great in that game against Denver the first time around. Um, And it's worth noting the Clippers didn't have Tice in that game either. So they only had eight players that they use in that game. Um, But Tucker just wasn't great in that game. He had a couple of threes, but he was a minus seven in his 21 minutes and Zoo only played 26 minutes, which I don't love. Um, I don't love him only playing 26 minutes when you have Joker on the floor for as long as he's on the floor. Um, Joker played in that game 36. So I think you need Zoo more against a guy like Joker. So I'm curious to see um, with Tucker, obviously, is the number one, how he does in his minutes off the bench, but also how many minutes Zoo's playing. 
because I, I do tend to believe that the more minutes Zoo plays, the better the Clippers do. And if he has a low minute total, that means that most likely the Clippers are getting blown out um, and they need to go small to come back into the game. Um, or it means he's in foul trouble. So we'll see what happens in that regard. Um, I do want to mention that we are recording this podcast, and it is 2.09 p.m. The Nuggets do play tonight, and Aaron Gordon's been downgraded to questionable with a right heel strain. I'm assuming that's very minor and that it's more about the Nuggets playing San Antonio tonight because every single Denver player that is important, I believe, was listed as probable going into this game. So they were on the injury report just in case Denver chose to take it easy on a couple of guys and give them the night off, knowing that they've got the Clippers on the road tomorrow. And the Nuggets are 7-0 and at home this year and taking on a Spurs team that, frankly, isn't very good. So I'll be curious to see if anybody gets the day off. Um, I would imagine that we see a guy like Aaron Gordon have the night off and maybe a guy like Michael Porter Jr., but we'll see. Um, I would assume they would have gotten downgraded to questionable by now if that was the case. So nonetheless, uh, a big game, and it's at home. So I'm hoping that uh, the Clipper faithful um, come out and are loud because, listen, this is a game the Clippers can win. I mean, I remember looking at that spread and seeing that it was like only a three-point spread. The Clippers were dogs in Denver, and that never happens. And this is a Clippers team, by the way, that was uh, 0-6. I think, by the way, I said the uh, Nuggets were 7-0 at home. They were 7-0 at home after beating the Clippers. Um, I'm assuming... Yeah, they haven't played. They haven't played at home since, so we'll see what happens in that game against San Antonio um, tonight. But I'm I'm looking forward to the game. I'm a little nervous because the Clippers haven't done well against Denver, but I think it's a game the Clippers can win, Matt. And I think a win against a Denver team would mean a lot, considering the Clippers have had game after game against good teams in the last couple of years and not been able to beat them. So I think it'd be a really important win. A huge, huge, huge win. And I I agree with you about Zoo and just like I and like so I was saying with with Joker, like Zubac has to be really judicious, right? He has to be very careful on defense. He can't bite on anything because you get Zoo in early foul trouble, which Joker is known to do, uh, then it's going to, you're going to be really digging yourself out of a hole. So Zoo has to be really careful. I'm going to be watching that defensive matchup uh, very closely. And then coming up, I, I, I kind of think, and I don't know if, I don't know if you agree with me, just, just standings wise, this, this upcoming stretch yeah. for the clips is incredibly important i mean uh you got the warriors in the next few weeks the warriors three times you got the kings twice i mean these are these in portland is, is is mixed mixed in there but these are teams if you look at the standings that the clippers could leap over or could fall far behind i mean they're all in sort of the same sort of realm and same range as as far as wins and losses are concerned so uh, a number of rattling off a number of wins in these next five, six games is really, really crucial to see how the rest of this season is going to go. I mean, you, you, you have a six game losing streak and you're already behind the eight ball. So these, you know, we got to start with Denver, of course, tomorrow at home. And we, we do think, we think they can win, or it's at least a game they are capable of winning. But then these games against the Kings, the Warriors, the Blazers, you should win that one. The Kings again, the Warriors. I mean, it's going to be a crazy stretch coming up that is really, I don't say it's going to define the season, but it's going to play a, a big role in how the Clippers uh, end up. And we're going to have a couple of games uh, thrown in between that Golden State game on December 2nd and that Portland That's game right. on December 11th because of the in-season tournament. And we don't even know who the Clippers are going to play in those games. But the, the games that are currently on the schedule, 
There are seven games the Clippers have. Five of them are at home, and the home games are against Denver, Golden State, Portland, Sacramento, and then Golden State again. So you mentioned it, three games against Golden State, with the two road games being at Sacramento and then at Golden State on a back-to-back. And that's going to be a tough back-to-back. And this, the thing is that Golden State's not as good as they've been in year, years prior. Um, Clay is not playing very well this year. Um, obviously, Steph is Steph. Um, Draymond is suspended or he was suspended. He should be back now. I think his suspension has, he just served his last game of suspension. So he'll be available for those Clippers games. So he's going to make a big difference in the way the Clippers, um, play against Golden State, obviously, because Golden State's just a much better team with him in there. But like you said, really important stretch with three games against Golden State, two against Sacramento, one against Denver, one against Portland. I mean, if you can just go above 500, during those games, it would certainly mean a lot. And then obviously you have the two games that get thrown in because of the in-season tournament. We'll see who the Clippers play in those games. But you win four of your last five. Going in against a Denver team that is very tough. But if you can win that game, I just think it would do such just fantastic things for the vibes of the Clippers going into that uh, back-to-back in Sacramento and Golden State. So I'm looking forward to that game for sure. And I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned the word vibes again because it's sort of – you said it – earlier and it's it's maybe a word that's slightly overused but i think it's actually maybe maybe one of if not the most crucial element to to the clippers season with bringing in harden with the first few games of the season where it seemed like everybody was clicking can we get the vibes back can we get the vibes back to good can we get them even up to great so i do think that's actually a very fair point and a and a fair word to use for uh, this season and something that we need to keep an eye on. Appreciate it, buddy. Yeah. I don't use that word very often, but I think it's an important one now for just how the Clippers um, are in the locker room and how they are on the floor. Um, And I know we mentioned the possibility of trading Westbrook, but he's a guy that's just a vocal leader and it just seems like nobody else really is that guy. So um, it, it helps to have a guy like Russ come off a good game and going into a tough game against Denver. So we'll see how they do. Um, hope to record a podcast on Tuesday um, to talk about that Denver game and then look forward to the Sacramento at Golden State back-to-back and then come back and do another one um, either after that other Golden State game on next Sunday or do one between the two Golden State games. My guess is more likely we'll do it on uh, next Sunday because it seems that a Tuesday-Sunday schedule has been working so far, but we'll see how it goes. Um, Yeah, any final last words? Wow, we're 42 minutes in. That's crazy. That is crazy. 42, uh, the number of my favorite Clipper of all time. You guys can figure out who that is. I wanted to ask you, um, how was Thanksgiving? Do you still have leftovers? Did you have a good time? Everything went well? Thanksgiving was good, man. I worked uh, during the day, um, got myself a little extra cash, which is good, um, and then had an amazing meal at night, which was fantastic. The kiddo was asleep, so we had a friend of ours stay and just uh, hang out with him while he was asleep. Got to go out and just have a good meal without having to worry about the kid. And it was awesome, man. Good turkey. My mom makes a spinach casserole, which is unbelievable. Um, Mm. And we went to a house where they made a hummingbird cake, which was unbelievable as well. So it was good. How about you? Now, that's not a cake made out of hummingbirds, is it? No, no, it's not. Luckily. Luckily, yeah, no, I'm not that type of person. Yeah, I don't eat birds. I don't eat birds. It's I I, I eat some, uh, I don't know. Isn't turkey a bird? Yeah, that's a good point. Oh man, you're a good guy. You're you're too smart for me, Matt. You're too okay. smart. You're too smart. Oh, well, I'm, I'm I'm not too smart. That's the first time I've ever been accused of that. Thanksgiving <laughs> was great for me. 
Uh, we had a great time. We'll, Good. We can leave it there. Um, one final thing that I want to mention. Uh, big thanks to Adam Osland uh, for shouting out mm. our um, weird uh, commercials that have been thrown in. And it's uh, it was a thing with the program, and we now know how to fix that. So shout out. Um, to Adam Osland, you should have heard the commercials about 17 minutes in if everything worked out well. Um, hopefully it didn't just randomly come in the middle of one of our sentences or something. So shout out to Adam. Um, hope this is a better listening experience for everybody. As always, we do appreciate you listening. Uh, if you can give us that five-star re- rating, review the podcast as well. Certainly does help. Uh, remember, you can always interact with us at BD Marcus for myself, at Matt Matt Warren for Matt. So until next time. See if the Clippers can beat Denver. I'm Brandon. He's Matt. And go Clips. Go Clips. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.